pleasure for me to speak to you today about first and second line therapy in advanced metastatic urothelial cancer, a changing paradigm. These are my disclosures. Urothelial cancer is the sixth most common cancer in the United States, and in 2021 will be responsible for some 32,000 deaths. We know that we, when urothelial cancer is advanced, we can usually control it with platinum-based chemotherapy in some 70% of patients, but the majority of patients until recently never even got second-line therapy. Things have changed recently with, with the novel therapies that I'm going to speak about. But in the last 30 years, we had MVAC chemotherapy, very little progress. We had gemcitabine and platinum and high-dose MVAC, but nothing else really changed very much. Things have changed now dramatically. We now have five new immunotherapeutic agents for urothelial cancer, plus other agents. And these have been approved both by the FDA and by EMA for the most part. Urothelial cancer has a high number of somatic mutations compared to other tumors. And you can see that it's right up there next to melanoma and lung cancer, the other tumors that respond well to immunotherapy. We have new classifications of urothelial cancer by molecular markers. And we know that patients with tumor luminal infiltrated and with basal squamous tumors are the ones who will respond the best to immunotherapy, whereas other subtypes may respond better to uh, treatment with FGFR inhibitors. There have been five immune checkpoint inhibitors in the platinum refractory setting that have been approved with actually no head-to-head -head comparison among these trials. And they have been phase three trials, phase one trials, phase two trials, been a, a bit unusual. The overall response rate is more or less 20% with all of these agents and median overall survival anywhere between 10 and 18 months. The only uh, randomized trial that we have is the phase three trial of pembrolizumab versus chemotherapy in platinum refractory patients. This is Keynote 45, and patients were given pembrolizumab, 200 milligrams IV for two years, every three weeks, versus uh, chemotherapy of investigator's choice. What we saw was a 27% reduction in the risk of death with pembrolizumab versus chemotherapy in platinum refractory patients. And this was actually irrespective of the um, uh, PDL1 status. This is my patient. You can see a six year complete response in a patient with stage four TCC in the lung, the liver, and the bladder after failing gemcitabine and platinum given uh, pembrolizumab on the Keynote 45 trial. This is her bladder in June, 2015, in October, 2015, and today in January, 2021, completely normal after just two years of therapy. The same with her lung. You can look in June, 2015 and January, 2021, and look at her liver in June, 2015. I have never seen after cisplatinum-based chemotherapy patients survive this long with second line therapy with a completely clear liver in January, 2021. These data have been updated at the recent ASCO meeting. And you can see particularly in the panel A, those patients who had a response of partial response or complete response, like my patient that I just showed you, are doing actually very, very well with second line pembrolizumab. 
Now, for uh, patients who are cisplatin ineligible patients, the only two drugs that have been approved are atezolizumab and pembrolizumab. And they've been two different kinds of studies. There are more patients in the pembrolizumab study than in the atezolizumab study. However, the overall response rates, again, in the 20% uh, range, median overall survival, anywhere between 16 and 11 months. And these drugs have been approved uh, and restricted in most countries for those patients who have pdl one expressing tumors, with the exception of the United States, where patients who are unable to get any chemotherapy are allowed to get these drugs, even if they do not express pdl one Now, these data have been updated in terms of the, the pembrolizumab data, and you can see the, the overall survival is uh, maintaining the median overall survival 11.3% months in these cisplatin and even carboplatin ineligible patients, and that patients uh, with a combined positive score, uh, a PDL one positive, they do much better than the ones who have combined positive score that is less than 10. So for the first line, platinum ineligible, PDL one status is important. In second line, it's much less important. This is the SOL study that I participated in. These are for patients who are ineligible to participate in any of the registration studies. We had patients from 32 countries, 1,000 patients participated. These were patients with poor performance status, with autoimmune disease. They had poor uh, renal function or peripheral neuropathy. And these patients were, the main uh, idea of this trial was safety. And what you can see from this trial is that patients with autoimmune disease actually did well. These are patients with psoriasis or rheumatoid arthritis or colitis that would have been denied immunotherapy if we hadn't done this kind of trial. And if, if these uh, autoimmune disease are well controlled, these patients can receive therapy. The patients who did the worst were the ones with a poor ECOG performance status. And as you know, often when patients are put on trials and they're said to have ECOG2, perhaps these were patients that were ECOG2 even sicker. This was a very broad international trial, and the patients with brain metastasis also didn't do as well. Well, it was thought immunotherapy is, is so uh, good, why not add it to chemotherapy or compare it alone, uh, see alone how it worked? And there's quite a number of trials that have been done to look at this combinations or looking at the immunotherapy alone, the FDA and EMMA stopped uh, enrollment of the trials with immunotherapy alone in the first line setting when they realized that the PDL1 status was important, but many of the trials were already enrolled. And I'd like to speak to you also about the javelin bladder switch maintenance, which is a little different strategy. Without going into too much detail about the trials, the Invigor 130 was the first one with looking at atezolizumab alone or um, with um, platinum and gemcitabine versus placebo and pl platinum and gemcitabine. And it was first reported uh, at ESMO that the, this was a positive study with a positive progression-free survival. But at the most recent AACR, we saw that there was absolutely no difference in overall survival by giving atezolizumab together with chemotherapy upfront. The Danube study is one of the longest running studies. This study looked at um, uh, durvalumab, an anti-PDL1, or durvalumab plus tremilumumab, which is an anti-CTLA4, as compared to standard of care chemotherapy. 
And the way they designed the trial made this a negative trial. If they had looked at dervalumab and tremilumumab in the pdl one positive population, it would have been a positive trial. But that was not the primary endpoint. And unfortunately, this too was a negative trial. And both dervalumab and atezolizumab have been taken off the US market in second line based upon the results of these trials that were actually run in, in quite different settings. Now, pembrolizumab was really thought to um, be the best agent by many. It's been approved in superficial bladder cancer. The primary endpoints were progression-free survival and overall survival. And once again, when you add pembrolizumab uh, to gemcitabine and, and platinum or gemcitabine and carboplatinum, there was absolutely no difference in progression-free survival or overall survival. And this therapy too has failed. So therefore, we need chemotherapy upfront with these patients and not immunotherapy plus chemotherapy upfront. And I think that's an important lesson that we've learned over the last year or so. This is the Javelin Bladder 100 trial of Avelumab switch maintenance. It's a little different in that patients receive chemotherapy upfront. They receive four to six cycles of gemcitabine and cisplatin or carboplatinum, and then we choose the best patients. Those who respond with a CR, a PR, or stable disease, those then wait at four to 10 weeks are stratified between Avelumab IV every two hours every two weeks, excuse me, our best supportive care. The primary endpoint was overall survival. And this primary endpoint of overall survival was met at the planned interim analysis. And you can see here the overall survival with maintenance of LMF, uh, was uh, had a hazard ratio of 0.69 at 12 months, 71% alive compared to 58%, and at 18 months, 61% compared to 44%. And looking at the PDL1 population, the hazard ratio is even more impressive of 0.56 at 12 months, 79% versus 60%, and at 18 months, 70% versus 48%. So we can say that the Avelumab has become a standard of care in the NCCN guidelines, in the AUA guidelines, in the ESMO guidelines for patients who respond to first-line cisplatin-based uh, combination chemotherapy. This is a smaller study from the Hoosier Oncology Group that was run, and we had the results before the Avelumab switch maintenance. It's a very small phase two trial. They gave um, pembrolizumab IV versus IV placebo and crossed everyone over to pembrolizumab. Their main endpoint was progression-free survival. It was a positive study. It was never meant to look at overall survival. And people always ask, well, can't we just use pembrolizumab maintenance? But we can't because we don't have the data that we do do for the, the um, Javelin study, but many countries do not have a Velumab approved yet, but we really do not have enough data to say that we can use a pembrolizumab maintenance at this point. About I'd like to switch for a minute and talk about antibody drug conjugates. These are a new approach in metastatic urothelial cancer. These are monoclonal antibodies conjugated to um, a cytotoxic drug or a radionucleotide, and they allow for the targeted therapy of a toxic payload to the tumor cells, and they minimize systemic toxicity. 
And Fortimab Vedotin is a, is a novel antibody drug conjugate. Target is Nectin-4. Its linker is protease cleavable. And its payload is monomethyl orostatin E. And you can see here in this phase two trial, a 44% response rate to Infortimab Vedotin in metastatic urothelial cancer after platinum-based chemotherapy and immunotherapy. And this was a, a phase three trial, in which infortimab vedotin was compared to investigators' choice of chemotherapy in patients who have already had platinum and immunotherapy. And you can see here uh, an improvement of 30% in overall survival by giving infortimab vedotin rather than standard investigators' choice of chemotherapy. And if you look at patients who are cisplatin eligible, this has been reported a few times, we see that Adding infortimab vedotin to pembrolizumab gives a 93% uh, reduction in tumor size. And I think this is a, a combination which is a winning combination for cisplatin ineligible and will probably be, be moved earlier on and perhaps maybe even for cisplatin eligible patients. Sazituzumab govotecan is another novel antibody drug conjugate. Its target is trope 2, uh, self-surface antigen. Its linker is hydrolyzable, meaning that it will release its payload around the tumor cell, so treat a little bit the microenvironment as well. Its payload, SN38, is the active metabolite of arenotecan, uh, which is a well-known chemotherapy. You can see here a 27% response rate with sazituzumab govotecan after platinum-based chemotherapy and immunotherapy uh, with a... a complete response rate of 5% and a 22% partial response. The median overall survival is 10.9 months. And this is clearly another active drug. And uh, a phase three trial is, is ongoing, uh, looking at the at sazituzumab govotecan versus physician's choice of chemotherapy in patients who have failed platinum and immunotherapy. And last but not least, I want to talk about fibroblast growth factor receptor pathway, which is an important pathway in uh, multiple tumor types. And we know that there are FGFR3 mutations in urothelial cancer, which can uh, be prevalent, particularly in upper tract tumors, and that FGFR is uh, important in phosphate homeostasis. If we look at this phase two trial in patients with FGFR3 mutations or FGFR2-3 fusions, the overall response rate was 40% in patients who have been heavily pretreated and uh, in patients who've had prior immunotherapy it was 59%. And these are patients who've had at least two prior courses of therapy and 79% had visceral metastases. And we're waiting for the results of the TOR trial to see whether it's better to, in patients who fail cisplatin chemotherapy, to give erdofitinib or uh, pembrolizumab, or in patients who have had immunotherapy, to give erdofitinib compared to investigators' choice of therapy. I'd like to conclude by saying that there's a high mutational complexity with the potential for many neoantigens that can trigger an immune response. Immunotherapy has definitely arrived for urothelial cancer. Chemotherapy is also here to stay and especially upfront chemotherapy. Maintenance therapy with abelumab has become a standard of care and it has reached all of the guidelines. Antibody drug conjugates and FGFR targeted therapy are also excellent uh, options. We have clearly made progress. Thank you very much for your attention.